You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. This is episode number 16, and I am your host, Parker McDonald. Today, we're talking to Alabama natives, Michael and Kat Perry, about how they consistently get it done year in and year out on Alabama public land. This is going to be a great episode to get you guys pumped up about the upcoming deer season, so I hope you enjoy it. What is going on, everybody? I hope y'all are having an awesome, awesome day. Uh, welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. It is always my pleasure to be able to um, hopefully bring great content to you, to the listener, and so that you can have an entertaining drive to work, or maybe you're headed out scouting, maybe you're headed out to the woods, but more than likely, probably not, you're probably going to work while you're listening to this. So I hope that this will uh, maybe take your mind off of work for a little bit. And you can think about deer hunting, daydream about big bucks, big southern bucks walking by your tree stand, even though the likelihood of that happening, at least in my case, the likelihood of that happening is very slim, but sometimes it does happen. And, uh, and so, you know, I know for me, I always really appreciated uh, the guys that were putting out podcasts because it kind of kept me, um, it kept my mind at ease while I was going through the stressful day-to-day things. And so... I'm looking forward to, I'm I'm like a week away from getting to Kentucky, so I'm pumped about that. Realizing now how far behind I actually am in preparing all my stuff, getting everything ready, that's okay. Um, As deer hunters, we're always kind of a little bit procrastinators, and uh, we think we have plenty of time to get everything done, and sometimes we just don't. But uh, we have a really cool podcast for you today. We're talking to Michael and Kat Perry. And uh, they live right here in the same town as me, but if you are from North Alabama, or probably Alabama at all, you know who these people are because they are absolute legends. They are, they're just, they're just killers. They know how to kill big deer. They have a huge wall dedicated to these big deer um, that they've killed on Alabama public land. But I'm not going to give it all away because we have a great episode coming up. Before we get into that, I want to take a minute to thank our partners at the Go Wild app. Now, Go Wild is not just your normal social media platform. You guys, y'all, you know that with with Facebook, Instagram, sometimes um, it's just difficult to see the content that we like to watch, we like to to see, we like to look at with, um, with, you know, some of the weapons that we use, bows, uh, guns, rifles, whatever. Um, I recently just sold a bow and... It was it was blocked on Facebook. They wouldn't let me post the ad. Now I see bows all the time for sale on Facebook, but something about the wording that I had on there, uh, Facebook just didn't like it. So it blocked the post, and uh, that's not the kind of stuff that you're going to see on Go Wild. One of the things that um, is really neat about it is that it is designed with the outdoorsman in mind. So whenever uh, the guys at Go Wild are developing the app, whenever they're putting new things in it, um, they have you in mind because that's what it is for. So go check out Go Wild. We're going to be doing a giveaway with them coming up very soon, the month of September. So probably the next episode that you hear of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, we will be doing a great giveaway with Go Wild. Um, also, thanks to our partners at Onyx. 
Uh, again, you heard me talk about Onyx. It's the best mapping software out there. I can't tell you how many times I have used it in, in the woods. It has just been an absolutely incredible development for me as a public land hunter. Also, our newest partners are the New Breed Archery Team, and we're super pumped about that. You heard from Kyle Knoll last week on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Now, the reason that I was actually selling my bow that I was talking about earlier is because I am a new member of the New Breed Nation. I recently picked up my GX2 completely custom, and uh, I am absolutely in love with it. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to bring these guys on board, to bring Kyle and the team on the Southern Ground uh, partnership. I, I just, I'm so pumped about it. You heard me talk about it in the last episode that I, I've been waiting on this conversation and being able to get these guys on board for a long time. And uh, I, I'm just extremely excited. Now, here's what you can do. Eventually, we're going to have some discount codes set up with, with them. But what you can do right now is if you want to be a part of the New Breed Nation, if you want to go and get your own custom bow, they are completely direct to consumer. You can get your bow shipped to you. Um, you can try out a bow for 15 days, I believe. They'll take a credit card number and ship a bow to you so you can try it out. Now, that's really cool. I don't know anybody else that, that's going to do that for you. But not only that, but you can get it completely custom. Now, here's the thing. Um, until we get this discount code set up, you will be able to get a discount through Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. What you do is when you call the new breed number that is on their website, when you call that number, tell them that you heard about them from Southern Crown and you will get a discount. And that helps me out. Um, you know, I, I love to hear about people that are listening to this podcast and um, I like to be uh, a part of that with you. Um, a part of those big decisions like getting a new bow, I think that is incredibly cool. So if you want a new new breed, go call them today, get your bow, tell them that Southern Ground sent you, and you will receive a discount. Um, also, thank you to the dudes at Tethered. They are creating just an awesome, awesome company, and I cannot wait to see what happens with Tethered. I will be getting my uh, Mantis saddle as soon as as soon as possible. Um, you know, the safety testing kind of put all that stuff a little bit behind, but they are shipping out the Predator platforms. I know a lot of you guys have already received your Predator platform, and I am super pumped for you. I can't wait to start seeing uh, a lot of the testimonials from, from the Tethered Nation, and uh, I think it's going to be all good things, but uh, that's it for right now i'm super excited about you guys here in this interview with my michael and cat perry so stay tuned it's going to be a good one uh. yeah. okay welcome back to the southern ground hunting podcast i'm here with some really cool people what are you laughing about mike <laughs> He's giggling over there like a little schoolgirl. Yeah, just listen away. to your countdown. And three, two, that sound like one. an airline pilot or something. <laughs> yeah. And lift off. Take off. Take off. <laughs> We're sitting here with Mike and Kathy Perry. I heard him call you Cat. Do you like Cat better? Yes. Cat. That's cooler. I think yeah. that's a. Yeah. It's like everybody calls me Cat. That's cool. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we're sitting here in their trophy room, and uh, I don't think words could express how yeah you'll have to check it out on uh on our page yes yeah. amazing it's like a six car garage and there's a deer on every square inch of it bear in the middle a moose i mean duck, golly fish 
How many years worth of worth of mounts is this? Probably twenty. Probably twenty years when I start actually mounting. So. Do you know what my twenty year wall is going to look like? Less than one wall, probably that you've got in here. <laughs> like, it's insane. This is really cool. So, anyways, we're here with these uh, awesome people in uh, Alabama, and I got to tell you, you're kind of a local legend around here. I don't know if you realize that. Do you realize that you're married to a local legend? Did I you know that? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, It's really cool. How you doing, man? Good. Doing great. Glad, awesome. Glad to be on the show. Glad to talk to y'all. Glad to give any kind of advice or input that I can to help people hunt the great state of Alabama public land because it's a, a hidden gem that's getting publicized a little bit more now, but I'm proud for that because we've lost a lot of public land over the years and we really need to stay with it and talk to the conservation department and try to keep our land and keep it public because, you know, it's not everybody can afford to go to Texas or Kansas or whatever to hunt. So but yeah. we've got a hidden gem here, and what we do here, you can see on the wall, is a lot of hard work, but we're proud of it, and Man. we put a lot of effort into it. So. Man, I'm also here with uh, Mike. What's up, guys? Mike other Pike, Mike. <laughs> other Mike, and Tyler. What's up? And uh, this is Mustache actually... Mustache Malone. Mustache Malone. This is Ground. actually... <laughs> What, what were you going to call him? Ground and pound. Ground and pound. <laughs> That's Michael Pike. This is actually Tyler's first time with a microphone. So oh, yeah. this is this is special nervous. for him. So you get a little red like me. Yeah, I get yeah, blush. <laughs> <laughs> he only threw up twice the last podcast. <laughs> and we didn't give him a mic last time either. So uh, this is his first time. So, so interesting story about Tyler. Last time we put him on, he didn't even have a mic. And all you could freaking hear in the background was... Opening crackers. He was he, crackers he was eating stuff. crackers, beef jerky. In the corner. I was like, golly, man. Embarrassing. I'll give you a mic to distract you from all the food around here, which is pretty incredible. We got some summer sausage, some cheese, and some crackers. And from what I understand, all all of the meat that you guys eat is all deer meat, right? Yes, sir. That's, that's pretty cool. I well, wish I could say the same thing. I can't. That or wild hog. We'll get a hog every now and then, too. We got one hog last year, so yes. Wow. That's cool. cool. Yep. So uh, I got to tell you, so basically when I started this podcast and I was talking to friends and talking to people about it, Anthony Parker, who does all your taxidermy and stuff, he's a relative of mine. We talked about him on the show before. Um, and then several other people have told me like, hey, you need to get Mike Perry on. And uh, and I've heard about you. I've seen you on forums and stuff. And um, man, I'm just super glad to have you on finally, and your wife, which is a special treat. Yeah. That's pretty well, cool. I appreciate it. Well, that's my little heart, hunting partner right there. We've done yeah. a lot of work together. So. Yeah, that was actually, You'll so. you dragging one, I'll be dragging another one. Yeah. <laughs> From what I've been hearing, it sounds like that happens quite a bit, where y'all are doubling up. Yeah, we've doubled or tripled up a couple times. So. The first story I ever heard about y'all was uh, from my uncle, uh, Kevin. Kevin Lloyd is his name, and he met y'all one time out on Bankhead, I'm pretty sure, or at a gas station or something. And he was telling me that you guys, uh, that both of y'all will go out and camp out, go far back in there, whatever. You camp out together and hunt during the season. And I thought that was pretty stinking awesome. Yeah, we love camping and hunting. So that's, we went, like we just went back from Corinth, camping over there. We love spending time out in the great outdoors. So that's awesome. That's cool. And it, you can tell, you can tell the way you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're wearing your. Uh, Kat, you're wearing your uh, your black bear claw, and then she showed me your grizzly bear claw, which is yeah. pretty cool. And and that's the cool thing about this. Like, you don't see a lot of rooms like this, in, especially around here, 
in the south you don't see a lot of rooms that are just i mean so diverse and uh species and you got a moose right here above my head that weighed 1220 pounds live weight you got mule deer right over here you got pronghorn antelope black bears behind us how many black bears four five and one on the way five black bears one on the way yeah and one on the way one grizzly one grizzly so that's crazy. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine that. So we enjoy hunting, but most of it's public land. Just like you're talking about the mule deer and antelope, that's that's a good public land state to go to for a different type of hunt. It's more spot and stop. You said that was Wyoming, right? Wyoming, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, that's, that's a very good, pretty reasonable trip. We so. get out there and we find them. So now I understand why Anthony has such a nice house. Y'all are putting all this money in his pocket. <laughs> it's a lot. Are you the only customer? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. You got your own, own personal taxidermist. We call it Pat Parker's taxidermist when he walks in here. Yeah, that's what it is. This is like a good advertisement for him. This is, what's it? It's, uh, Parker's Wildlife, I think, is his actual. So if you're in this area and uh, you see some of these pictures and you like the way they look, hit Anthony up because yeah. he, he is a... It's a cool guy, great taxidermist in the area, too. Very good, yes. Absolutely. Good. So, like I said before, you're kind of a local legend, and you post very few things on, uh, like, the Facebook and stuff, like, very careful not to give away things. I don't know if you're doing that on purpose, but um, but the, the few things that I actually see you post, I mean, people see it, they hear about it, they know about it, because it's pretty impressive. And uh, so a few of the things I want to talk about are Alabama public land, which you already kind of started talking about. Most of these deer are from Alabama, Alabama public land. And, uh, and it's kind of a state that we don't, you, you don't hear about a lot. You don't hear about a lot of Alabama public land bucks. And uh, what I'm looking at right now, it seems like you're kind of getting it done. Yeah, there's uh, one or two in here. Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> uh, I mean, some of these things you got just skull cap mounts. I mean... That's impressive just by itself. If I walked into a room and that's all it was, I'd be like, man, this guy's a killer. Well, I have, we have, we have every, every antler animal. of every deer that we've killed. I got my shop out there, I've got the rest of them, the spikes and whatever. We've got every one of them. We appreciate the fact of uh, the, the way we accomplished it and paying tribute to it. So we've got every bit of them, every bit of some memories so we don't throw any of them away or leave them, whatever. So. And that's another thing, too, that I want to talk about today as well, and we'll get into that, is this journal that you have that the Holy Grail. Got. This, this like the Perry Bible that you got right here. And, uh, I mean, I'm just flipping through these pages. It's got every deer kill. It's got, uh, does it have every single sighting that you've had? Like yeah. every sit? Yes. Every sit is in here from 1988. Is that right? Yep. Fall of 1988. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that because this is, this is a really cool book. Very special to you, I'm sure. It's very special. I, I mean, that. you keep it in the safe. She had it hid. Yo, you come asking about it. She had, she had it hid. So yes, that's uh. If that walked out, I lose a lot of my memory. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like a lot of us are. You yeah. can probably attest to that. He probably loses memory on a lot of stuff, yeah. doesn't he? I know my wife says, "How do you remember everything that has to do with deer hunting, but everything else you forget about?" Forget about. <laughs> Priorities. So. Yeah. But uh, but we're gonna talk about a lot of this stuff. Michael is actually the one who. I uh, got to sit down with you first, uh, not too terribly long ago. Yep. What was that about? Well, a month ago? A month and a, yeah. month, month and and a half ago. Yeah, it was like after that. July 4th. Yeah. So uh, a month and a half ago, and man, he was just singing your praises. He was talking about how yep. cool it was getting to sit here and 
Just talk about hunting. So that's what I want to do, man. I just well, want to talk about hunting. Well, I appreciate it, and I enjoy talking about it. But like I say, you know, you say you don't hear much about me, but I work so much, 12-hour swing shift, and after that, I'm trying to get the woods or something. So yeah, it's hard for me to get on Facebook or whatever to, to do a lot of posting. Yeah. I'll do some when I can. So. And you write, you've written a little bit for AON, is that what you said? Yeah, I wrote a few published articles, and then I write every year for the last eight years, I think I do the pro bono hunt advisories for for public land back okay. warrior in Okamogee pretty much so. man and I so and, that, and that's where you spend most of your time at right on black warrior bankhead and then Okmogee Okmogee next and then if if we're not have a full tagged out season we'll go to Freedom Hills and maybe Lauderdale and a combination at the end so. okay and I mean just looking at this book man it, it's I see a lot of black warrior side a side whatever you know yeah. side b you see that on there a lot and uh and that's that's what really pumps me up because that's the same areas that i'm hunting and uh and i know michael hunts there tyler's gonna get his yep. feet wet on some bankhead yeah yeah we talk about bankhead a lot and so a lot of our listeners across the south might not know exactly what bankhead is but if you could de- if you could define bankhead in any way what would you say your best chance in alabama to kill a 200 inch deer as, okay as, as the main reason that we spend a lot of time there and plus it's close but the, the genes from the old Michigan strain is still there to an extent, and you'll see a big deer or two every year that's pushing that marker, has potential to be that. So it's not that many deer there, but it's got the genes, and there's some big deer. And I don't know of any club that somebody could actually say that they had a good chance to kill a 200 inch deer there. Yeah. I did. I had a good chance. She's had a good chance. Really? Hey, I just went and pull that mic over there. I want to hear that story. I didn't know that. Let's hear that story. Oop. Well, I went out, just got my bow, my crossbow. It was probably about three or four in the evening. Hadn't been in a tree long. And I seen this monster buck mate with a doe. And he come down, but I would not take a back shot. And so I let him walk. Was How that far? the uh, 11 point with a sticker that I saw in the journal? He was a big one. Yeah. Bigger than anything we have in this room. Yeah. And I just would not take. I say it a lot. Bigger. Bigger, bigger than that one? Yeah. Oh, man. But I wouldn't take a back shot. And then it was my first year with the crossbow. And I was kind of hesitant because I didn't want to make a bad shot. And so I sat and watched him. How far? How far was he? He wasn't far. <laughs> 30 yards oh man but i didn't want to make a bad shot it's my first year with a crossbow and i was like if i shoot this deer and i miss i'm gonna have a bad year and so i sat and watched <laughs> and just to give you guys who are listening a reference the deer i just pointed to as a as a reference for that one is 186 inch deer off of oak mulgee that your brother killed right mm-hmm. correct that's uh it's a big deer. It says a lot. <laughs> Say it a lot, man. I mean, this one's got the restraint a restraint. Says a lot. <laughs> so for the last three years, I've been loyal to this tree. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And uh, and thought. so if you could, what we're gonna do? You said you're gonna give us the GPS coordinates to that tree, right? And we're gonna write it down. <laughs> That's my tree. <laughs> That's your tree. That's the cat tree. If y'all could have seen the look on her face just now when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't get that. Yeah. I get that. I, I You're about get... to see the cat come out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to drop her off at the road now. She goes in on her own. She won't even let me go down there. <laughs> she won't even let you know where the yeah. tree's at. <laughs> he pumps him up. <laughs> hey. The tree's standing on my back, and I go climb my tree by myself, climb up, get situated, and I don't see him again until dark. What kind of stand do you use? The summit, lightweight. 
recliner. Yeah, just climb on up in that tree and don't move until he comes and gets me. <laughs> Man, and that is. The time I meet him at the road. I'll yeah. come out right after dark. Yeah. So, so you'd say, Mike, that a black warrior banquet is the best chance to kill a 200 inch deer in this whole state of Alabama. That's my belief. So. But that we're not saying that because we want all these people to come flooding, right? No. I mean, <laughs> we want to keep, no. keep these spots to ourselves. No, I mean that's kind of what that's kind of the same thing that I would probably say to anybody if they asked to define bankhead. Is I mean you got a, a chance at killing a great deer, but you're, you're not going to come and put in the work. You yeah. have to work for it. You're going to have you, to. If work you're going for just it. to kill a deer, that's, it's going to be tough. You know, you're better off going to Oak Mogier or Sam R. Murphy or Loudon, something yeah, like that. Like you're better off going anywhere else. Now, Skyline. Everybody should go to Skyline. Yeah, right, Skyline's Tyler? Skyline's packed. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's Tyler's home turf right there, up at Skyline. But uh, I, I, you know, I I, I talked to so many people, and I see it all over online. People saying, "Hey." We're planning an out-of-state trip to Alabama to come hunt Bankhead, and I, it's just hard not to just kind of like chuckle a little bit to yourself because yeah, come on, it's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, <laughs> come on, you, big boy. <laughs> hey, listen, if somebody if somebody went in from out of state and uh, and shot a giant deer in Bankhead, they either got lucky or they're just real good, and I'd mm-hmm. say power to them. Yeah, be like, prepared to drag for eight hours. Yeah, no plus, kidding. Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's some rough territory, rough terrain, but yeah, if they do that, they've really done something. But pretty much, I would say luck. Most, I like what's well, probably sixty percent of the big deer killed is probably luck. But the biggest thing about your luck is you make your own luck. So if you're in a tree, you're increasing your luck, mm-hmm. especially on the rut. No matter where you're at, you can can't kill them from the couch. That's right, exactly right. So, would, so would you say how, how many years you said 20, 20, 20 years of mountain probably twenty years so of mountain. Yeah, I didn't kill a good deer until the nineties. In the 90s, the first good deer I killed at Wolf Creek center buck there. Okay. Nine point is that the one that's got that the, turned me the goofy on side? The, yeah, he's got a, got a dagger sticking out. Yeah. So he was an older buck. That kind of got put me onto the type of terrain and areas that I hunt. That's the situation where I killed him is is the edges and the hunting ridge lines with bedding areas, staying up higher at, at, at times during the isolation period in early season or uh, funneling transition areas that's close to bedding areas during the rut. So Yeah. And actually that deer was all day sit, killed him at one fifteen in the afternoon. So Wow. Speaking of times, what do you what do you feel like is the best time to kill deer? Morning. Did you say like that nine to eleven time period or most of mine's around nine, something like that. Nine to Do you wait to go in at first light or do you I try to get our Hour to hour and a half before daylight. So. I sat in the tree stand an hour before daylight. Yeah, so. that's uh, you know, I think that's a, a big issue because what you see most people do, and I think that says a lot. You see most people getting out of the tree at nine thirty. Yeah. Um, growing up, you know, in Texas, which is a little bit different in Texas, where you're hunting over feeders and stuff like that. But I mean, that was always just the time nine thirty, nine forty five. We're getting up, getting out, going to eat breakfast. Huddle house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyler knows about that a lot. I don't go to the hotel. So he does still. <laughs> Waffle King for me. Waffle King. <laughs> <laughs> what is Waffle King? I've never heard of that. I know Waffle House. I know Burger King. Did they just have a baby together? Well, and it's a sister uh, from uh, <laughs> Huddle House. They had, so this is real Alabama. Yeah, they had a real, sister together. Yes. Uh, cousins, whatever you want to put it. It is uh, Waffle King. It, uh, listen, it got closed down for... 
<laughs> it did get shut down after about three years. And uh, there was two, one in... Uh, Some bad memories, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Boaz and uh, Scottsboro. I think Scottsboro. I but Boaz is shut down. It's being condemned. So anyway, let's get back to Michael. Let's get back to Julia. Tyler. Okay, back to deer hunting at late in the morning. So I find I find most people are getting out of the tree stand, 9.15, 9.30, somewhere around there, and complaining about not seeing any deer. But what I've noticed about, I, I mean, I look back to all the bucks I killed this past year were way after 9. Yeah. And uh, I think that says a lot. I know Michael said the same thing too, right? Yeah, I've always said that. You know, those big bucks, they seem to – cruise through right after the does move through and they you know try to pick up that hot doe so yeah those yeah. does move through you know nine o'clock those does you know are usually already you know moved back to bedding by yeah. the end and they get up and usually will cruise those trails mm-hmm. you yeah. kind of noticing the same thing yeah we don't climb down to 11 o'clock yeah. no matter what yeah, when it's just tornado lightning storm we don't kill deer or whatever so it's 11 o'clock regardless mm-hmm. if she's not with me i'll hunt all day so yeah him yeah. going that tree stand set from sun up to sun down. Yeah. Hey, some I've of those climbers. through at, you know, 2 p.m., like yeah. you were saying earlier about mm-hmm. a deer. Um, I've some of those some climbers are sure. pretty dang comfortable. You can sit yeah. all day and be more comfortable. I can yeah. take a better nap in a tree stand than I can at home, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. hunt out of the summit too, Michael? No, I've got API. API. So I've got Grand real, Slam or? Grand Slam Magnum. It's it's real comfortable. i got a summit seat I think I put in it to change it out, but. Very comfortable, a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier than the... Up, uh, ever since, probably three years ago, I've been hunting on a long wolf, and this is my first year going to be a saddle, and long wolf ain't comfortable at all. No, they're small, mm-hmm. lightweight. Yeah, it's... So, i got to have the bigger and, and the, the bar around me. I'm not... I'm scared of heights, you know? <laughs> Now, do you... <laughs> you <laughs> do you pack any of your tree stands uh, in before the hunts and, and lock them on? I won't. I won't put one on a tree before I go out. Sometimes I will stage it halfway or something uh-huh. like that. I won't put one on. I was tree just curious because I ran across a, a real nice tree stand, but it was uh it was python locked to a tree before the the season start before the gun season. Did you cut it, take it? No, no, <laughs> I didn't take I it. You can't ask it. those kind of questions, Tyler, on <laughs> on public podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had a friend of mine. He likes putting trail cameras on video, uh-huh. and he left a tree stand about halfway say three foot off the ground and he had a deer come in that bird dog that tree stand so uh-huh. if you're going to leave one do that you need to lay it on the ground right and cover it up or something yeah. i'm afraid about the sense so uh-huh. i'll stage it so. what kind of area are you like spending most of your time in 90 percent of my time is spent on the side of a ridge with two or three funnels coming together close to pines or the edge maybe a bluff gap close by some kind of pinch point that I know that there's a bedding area within, say, quarter mile. And early season, I'll try to get, say, within 300 yards of a bedding area, push it a little bit more during early season. But when it's more toward the rut, I like to stay out a little bit because you've got limited time, and I don't want to blow them out with scent, you know, close to the bedding area. So, but now, as far as scent, do you, you kind of spray it down? You just play by the wind. Uh, the wind, I've had a few discussions with the wind. I'm not as much a wind person as everybody would think or everybody tends to. I use the safe scent free, use scent away spray, scent lock suit, stuff like that. But the biggest thing about black words as a nemesis is the wind because it, it changes, it bounces Swirls. off the ridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to get to a pinch point where you can see a deer coming from more than one place where the wind won't, it's not your enemy as much. So 
it won't dictate where it comes right. from pretty so, much you got several options right several options i don't like to have just a single trail or a single ridge line hunt on i prefer during the rut or pre-rut where a long ridge comes close to a creek where there's a creek crossing that when a deer comes across that creek they're going to get to the higher ground quicker so it's an easier access for them to get up it's got blow limbs on it or laurel bushes or something like that where i know bedding there is that you, you said that. I heard you say bedding area is pretty important to what you do. One of the things that we pay a lot of attention to is bedding. Like, that's that's kind of our our go-to thing to decide where we're probably not going to hunt over the bedding or anything like that. Yeah. But hunting those little travel corridors that the deer are using, is that something, Do you when you go out and you're scouting, do you go out and find the bedding areas, or do you just kind of assume, hey, this is going to be a, a bedding area? Well, so we're all doing a lot of bedding there looking now. Most of the time I do it, it's like February and March when there's no leaves on. Mm-hmm. And I'll go on inside the ridges, old logging roads that have grown up with the laurel bushes and stuff like that. Find them, find the beds, and look at the areas and look for the pinch points and the bluff gaps. Because the security areas and the bedding areas play play more to my hunting strategy than food sources. You know, they when there's- the acorn's on and the browser's on, they can walk anywhere and eat. But their security areas... And their bedding areas is tight and specific. So. Yeah, and Bankhead, that's that's the number one thing that's missing most of the time I see because they go in, they'll select cut a thousand acres, you know, and you'll have just one little pine thicket here or one little pine thicket there or some laurel, you know, bushes like you were talking about. And I mean, but they could go any direction and find food, you know, so trying to locate a food source and maybe unless it's late season or something like that, you're pretty much. I mean, you're, you're out of luck with that. Yeah, we pay we pay a lot of attention. I think we started scouting this year. When did we go up to that one area with Nathan? It was probably it was February, March. February, yeah. It was a couple weeks after the season ended. Yeah, and we already scouted. We'd already started scouting. I think a lot of people um, missed that part. You know, that think okay, deer season's over, which I understand for a lot of people. You know. It, a lot of the time you're spending so much time in the woods, you know, that October through February here in Alabama, which is our season dates, um, it's nice to get a little bit of a break. But really for the people who are really getting it done, you know, the best way possible is it's a it's a 12-month-long process, yes. yes, I think. Do you put a lot of stock into that? Do you put a lot of oh, yeah. in, into scouting? Every spring where we're out there doing it, even in the turkey season, we'll carry a camper out. I'll turkey hunting in the morning, then I'll come back and get her. And we'll go look for sheds and look for beds, and we just cover a lot of ground in the evenings, just finding beds and sheds. Now, as far as uh, Black Warrior, the forest, uh, is do you find beds in the inside the pine thickets or on the outer edge, butting up the hardwoods? or Most of the ones that I, that I like is in edges of the pines, but in your, your buck-specific beds will be like on the side of the edge, where the wind comes over and they can see down, but they might be laurel bushes or some kind of thick stuff. Where if you if you try to sneak up on them, there's no way it's impossible they'll bail off or throw over. Bust. So, but that's what I'm looking for as far as the best places for me to hunt. The ones that's more in open pines, where a bunch of doe beds and baby beds, I don't really mm-hmm. concentrate on them that much. It's the more hidden beds, isolated you know, beds, isolated beds. I couldn't that, agree with that more. So. Yeah, that's I mean yeah. that's kind of a that's kind of our our whole strategy when we're going out looking for bedding areas we're looking for the thick stuff uh the top third you know of a of a steep lookout where they can 
And uh, for me, our predominant wind is going to be a south southwest wind. Okay. And um, so I'm always, when I'm looking at my, my maps on Onyx, I'm looking at those ridges that are faced uh, north or north east i guess mm. and um and it, you know if you watch any of our videos or you listen to the episode we did with uh michael pike's first first episode with us that's kind of what we talked a lot about is um yes yeah, so it's going to be out of, the, out of the north northwest or either out of the southwest depending on where the front is you know and our cold through. our cold months are so short a lot of times those north winds are Few yeah. and far between. You'll get a, a, a couple months there where they're pretty con- constant. Yeah, and know? I think it depends on the jet stream too, and in the in the pattern of that, because sometimes it dips a little bit lower. Yeah, I think that's where they come up with the what the El El Nino and El okay. or La Nina or something like that. Yeah. you know where the the different uh, winds come through, so yeah. you get more more pull from the Gulf or or from the north. It just depends. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, those are the. The two different predominant winds that I see is is you know like a northwest or either uh, out of the south southwest. So do you spend any time, Mike? Do you do a lot of cyber scouting as far as using your maps online or uh, Onyx or any of the other bit. stuff? I have Onyx. I've used that for before there were Onyx, especially out in Wyoming. But the main reason I use it is to borders, mm-hmm. public land borders to private land stuff like that. But I use it some, but not. Not that much. I more hands-on. More hands-on, more foot because the maps, you know, they look updated. They're not, they're not very accurate at times. Yeah, so. there there are some spots. You know, we actually did an episode with Onyx, and uh, um, that was one of the things that we talked about. You know, they usually go by county records. That's about what right. they got to go by, and uh, and there are definitely some times where I mean, I spend the majority of my scouting is done on my phone, on my desktop, and then basically I'm going or we're all going. To just confirm what we saw on our on our map, and then but there are times where like what you're talking about, where maybe they did a, a timber harvest or um, or a burn or something like that, where it's like, well, this doesn't look anything like what we thought it was going to look like, right. and uh, and th- that's why you know I put a ton of imp- importance on just going and checking out. Me and Tyler went out to an area that I've hunted all last year. I hunted it, and we walked a ridge that I had never walked before. Um, during the during the summer at least i walked it during turkey season when it was the leaves were still gone but uh and it looked completely different than what onyx w- had it than what i thought it was going to look like and that's not the fault of onyx or no, anything like that that's just then the resources yeah that's i mean it's it. just the importance at, right. at some point there is a i have to see it with my own eyes you know right. boots on the ground and yeah. uh and so that's 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 important i think you know I, we put a ton of importance in any listener to this podcast will tell you how much we talk about scouting, and I think it's even more important than even hunting most of the time. I try not to do as much, you know, early season or during season because of the it don't, especially at Black Warrior, it don't take much for them deer to nocturnal, and then they're nocturnal to mark, you know. Then mm-hmm. so you might catch them in daylight, but chasing the doe, but once that pressure's on a little bit, it makes it tough, and it's already tough enough. So I try not to do much foot travel during early season or scouting for gun season whatever i, I like agree. Driving, doing a drive-by to make sure because a lot of the logging that goes on out there they won't start till october <laughs> and they'll gate you know gate off and put a flagging up where you can't hunt within a quarter mile so you need to know that before you go but yeah, yeah. i'd say if you if you really want to scout 
don't go to your areas that you've already scouted. I would pick an area maybe for the next year that you're wanting to, to maybe hunt eventually and go ahead and scout there if you just got the itch to go scout and don't go ahead and mess up your areas that you plan on hunting this season. Yeah. I, I mean, we're right now two months away from season opening. Um, almost exactly. Um, two days, two months and two days from season opener um, on October 15th, which is a Monday. Yes. You going to take off, Michael? I'm off. Right, right uh, now, you take off or you put I'm in scheduled vacation? Off. I'm scheduled off. So. <laughs> put me in the woods. So. I, I did that today. I submitted my vacation. I'm, I'm only for that one day, but I'm going to be out that one day. Yeah. The I'll only problem there. with the Department of Conservation the is they don't my, put the schedule yeah. out. The gun schedule or the muzzleloader schedule out until nearly September. And that's, yeah. I, yeah. That bothers me because I got to get vacation. And they won't even get the papers out until about the week before the, the season starts. Yeah, that's that's kind of aggravating. I'm not... Uh, not a big I want, I, well, I'm trying to get my vacation. I work at a no. plant, a chemical plant. And you need to get your vacation schedule, and I got to wait all the way to September. And by then, everybody's done putting all their Thanksgiving in and stuff like that, so I can't get it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, what I was saying is, we're, we're two months out. Me and Tyler went to this area because I just wanted to check it out. I'd hunted the area. I know there's deer in there, but I wanted to look at this little spot. And I told him, I was like, I want to get this done right now because I don't want to come back. I don't want to have to. I mean, we're two months right. out. I don't want to let those deer have any idea that I'm going to be around there. Right. And uh, Well, there's one spot we didn't even get off and look. You, you, just, you yeah. just drove to it. Yeah, because you well, we paddled well, to it. Paddled to it. You, <laughs> knew, you know, knew the past history about it. So. Yeah. I just wanted to check to make sure that the deer were still using it and that there was still the sign. You can see it on those beaches. You know, you can see, which you've kind of been out in that area. Mm-hmm. You've seen the, I mean, there's deer tracks all over those those areas. Right. And, uh, and I really wanted to just confirm that that's where i'm gonna be on opening day so um but uh, yeah i can't i can't stress i don't think anybody sitting at this table can stress the importance of scouting and uh and you know you look at this you look at this trophy room and you can tell that you definitely put in the time doing that you can tell this wasn't luck was it no it wasn't luck, it wasn't luck. Well, a lot of luck but you make your own luck a lot yeah. of staying time you know so been in the woods are you the kind of guy that um i know a lot of people say this especially a lot of people who have you know the 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 non-luck i guess you call it that you've got the the trophy the trophy room that you have a lot of those kind of people are going to tell you first sit best sit and they don't ever hunt the same tree more than a couple handful handful of times is that you no i do not they definitely not you like you stick to the same tree a lot well the two bucks that i killed last year on black war was that same tree yeah uh, how many times that happened before that's happened bunches of times and you killed that's a that deer right there is the third one you said you killed out third of that tree, one, right? And that's actually a lock-on I put up three years ago in a, a place like I'm talking about where a long ridge comes close, close to a creek crossing. And they come up and hit that ridge going up to laurel bushes and stuff, checking out bedding areas. And that's and I'll, be, I'll be in that tree this year. Yeah. So when did you find a place like that, unless something bomb goes off or something, that's pretty much you can count on year and year. You might not kill it, but you will see something. So Yeah. They, once they use them because black warriors they don't do that much cutting everything stays sorry much the same so they're going to use it over and over as long as the does are there they're going to do it yeah you know, it might take two weeks to see one but they're there so. speaking back to your point i mean you mentioned that some of these hunters won't hunt the same stand but i think there's a, a catch on that one that i hear a lot and that's if the area is hot there's no reason to it's go good. somewhere else for another sit somewhere else where you don't know what's going on. If you know that there's a hot doe in that area, correct. I mean, you'd 
Well, you might as well go here. ahead and, yeah. and, yeah, and stay there. There's no reason to leave if it's no. it's hot. Yeah, I've always heard don't leave deer to find deer. No, that's so, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 kind of somewhere in between there. So for me, what I do most of the time, I hunt the same area, um, but I'll try if I get busted by deer. The next time I go and I'll try to sit in a different spot where I can still still see. I can still play the wind the exact same. Mm. Go in and try to find a different mm. a different place to maybe you know, cut them off in a different spot or whatever. I do that a lot. Um, I, know, I know a lot of people do that. And I know a lot of people that once they kill a deer there, they're not going, they won't go back there ever. You know, they mm. they buck specific hunters. They go try to find a track and a buck, and that's, they kill them, they're moving on to the next one. That's, mm-hmm. that's a tough challenge, especially on public land to do that. If you can do that, you more power to you. I can't hardly do it. I'll try it and kill one every now and then, but. And if you kill a buck in that one area, say there's a specific buck using uh, a particular bed, you know, after that one dies off, if that was, you know, one of the best bedding spots in that area, then there's going to be another buck that eventually moves into that bed. Correct. And that's the same thing with, like, scrapes. You know, there'd be a big scrape under a certain tree to be there. I can go out to a tree right now when I went to one of the teenagers, and every year there's scrapes under that. So right. it's, if it's a good area, it's a good area. So. Yeah, and, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, you know, first sit, best sit. You know, I've, I hear that all the time um, from different guys. But, man, looking around here, you know, I don't think you can argue the – you can't argue with the heads on the wall that you kind of are on to something with that, you know. Um, and and you can – go ahead. You can look in that book if you can find Sam Murphy – and I got a tree there I hadn't hunted in a long time. It's like 16 deer killed out of that tree. Yeah, uh, that same tree. tree. Same tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, My God. That's crazy. Ten, you know, ten of, them, 10 of them is probably bucks, but they're, you know, not monster bucks. One of them is a good one, but, you know, it's just a If area. it's working, why try it's, something else? Yeah. I mean, you find the right pinch point and yeah. funnel, and it produces one year. There's nothing saying it won't produce the next year or the next see it, you know. So. Yeah. Now, as far as the same tree, like, do you agree if it's a lot of pressure with that? play a role in the deer movement in that one area or that it, it, it depends it's possible on them funnel areas and pinch points and stuff and that's it's you're playing both ways doing that because pressure can affect hurt them to you. go through a certain it can hurt or it can help it just depends so, now so these, go ahead. these particular trees are you packing in packing out or are you leaving your stand there and revisiting or how, how are you doing that? Does it Some of them I carry my climber in, but like the tree you're talking about there, I got a lock on it and it's in there right now. Okay. I'll loosen it up January and then I'll go back in September or August and tighten it back up. But it depends on how, that's a tough area to get to. That's, that last year, the first year I've had to call somebody to come help me drag a deer because that deer, you know, he didn't have a, he got a decent rack, but he was heavy. He's 180 uh-huh. something pound and had a big mountain to climb and had to get some help. But he shot that thing at seven in the morning. And we didn't get into a checking station until 5 o'clock that evening. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what a drag. But you remember yeah. it, don't you? Yeah, we remember I bet he remembers it. I bet he remembers every call. minute of it. That's a good memory, though. Now, do yeah. you have, like, a deer cart, a sled, I have a, or? I have a cart. But a lot of times, like that, it took an hour and a half to get it to the cart. I you. you know, so, and the, like, the deer she killed it the same way. I had to drag, mm-hmm. you know, get the cart to it and then drag a deer an hour to the cart, you know. So, my good. deer was 194 pounds, yeah. 8 points. Shot him at 7 in the morning. Wow, that's a good day. Do you see that a lot? This that. is this is something I've seen a lot. We talked <laughs> about the like the nine to eleven later in the morning. Do you see them moving right at first light? The some of those bigger bucks right yep. at 
first light, but then there's a, a slack period a for gap. about two hours, yes. and then it picks back up again? Definitely. It's always a gap. Yep. Most time, if you're going to see a buck early, it's right around daylight, and after that, it's an hour or two hours. You know, so right. You have that low. You talked you talked a second ago about pressure. Tyler asked a question about pressure and how that plays a role in the way that you hunt. Um, if you do you do you see a lot of people out where you're out where you hunt at? The last couple of years, I'm seeing more, you know, and that's because of the special opportunity hunt that they've come up with, and then some of the publicity of the bigger deer that's been killed. We talked to four or five people last year in one of the areas. So. But it used to, it didn't say that much. But now. now, so my question is, how how much does that play a role in um, in your hunting style? Because, like, for me, I, I go ahead and say, for me, when I see somebody, man, my stomach drops. <laughs> I, I'm like, man, somebody done found out about my spot. And I know it's, it's inevitable on public land. You're going to see people, no matter how far, how hard you think it is to get where you're at. You're going to see people. Um, does it affect you? like that negatively maybe you move maybe you hunt a different area does that affect you at all no i don't really worry about it i'll I'll take it like if they could jump something put it on me if i could see them by my tree or something but biggest thing i do and is i most of the hunts i do and i already planned and the scouting of them is planned where i know where people's going to come in at so i don't have that much a chance of seeing them if i do see them they're walking so they're not they're not really hunting so Mm -hmm. So I don't really worry about it. Yeah, because most time you see somebody, it's gonna be eight o'clock. Yeah, eight they come strolling through there, like ah, I ain't gotta work, ain't gotta worry about those guys anyway. Now, as far as pressure, do you sometimes set up for people to push deer on top of you, or yes. do you? Yep, I do. I don't do it that much on Black Warrior, but Okamogi is, is is a lot like that. And when I used to hunt Wolf Creek or something, they were more. If they got more access roads, you can use that a lot. But, Black Warrior, you can pay attention with the green fields. That a lot of people hit some green field rows, and you can try to strategize that way. But it, it's going to be a pretty good bit of walking most of the time to to do that. So. Yeah. So we were talking about we were talking about bucks and um, you know hunting dominant bucks or trophy bucks. You, you, I've heard you say, and it may have been before we started recording. I heard you at one point say that somebody didn't want to have you on podcast at some point because you said you're not a trophy hunter. But then, I mean, obviously looking around, you've got a lot of trophies, and I heard you say something like um, a lot of times you're going after a specific specific buck. Can you try to kind of describe that to me? Because that sounds like two different opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, can you kind of draw that out for us? Well, like I said before earlier, we, you know, a lot of meat, you, you brought that up. But my goal is to hunt a deer that's, say, three years old. You know, and it might end up being a two and a half if it's a good one. I don't, nowadays you hear people, well, say five years ago, everybody was talking about four-year-old deer. That's what, that's the trophy, four-year-old deer, trophy. That's what target deer for you. Now you're hearing seven-year-old, six-year-old. It's all this TV stuff, but I don't dwell on that. I just, I try to shoot a deer it's out to its ears and four points on one side. It's just my goal. Now, if it gets toward the end of the season or we're needing meat, so I got my little... Cat rat over here. Yeah. And she's turning loose. Cat so. rat. So. That's cool. She's turning loose. She'll take care of the does and anything else she can get from me. But I myself I'm targeting eight point okay. or bigger. Yeah, a couple years ago I got I shot a nine year old doe. Yeah. Wow. Nine year old yeah. doe. Healthy as ever. That's awesome. Yeah. And the biologist wanted her head to do a survey or what have you to see. 
yeah. study you know, on it. That's cool. Why she lived to be nine years old. She was a healthy, big head. So you could put her down. Those old does, <laughs> hammer time. Yeah. Those old does like that, they're tougher to kill sometimes in the bucks. Yeah, those are sharp. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they got to look out for their babies a lot of time. They just, you know, a buck's got to look after himself. I hate shooting a doe, you know, but, I mean, that's what we live on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what we eat. You got to get them out. That's neat. And, and you, you, we're talking about that, you know, um, meat, hunting for meat and things like that. And I heard Michael say that you have a lot of experience in trapping and some small game stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the specific question that Michael asked you was, do you feel like that has a lot to do with, you know, some of the woodsmanship skills that you've, that you've yeah. built along, around the years? Well, trapping, definitely. Anybody can get into trapping because you're looking. Trapping is one of the hardest things to do is get an animal to stick its foot on a piece of metal that's one inch. <laughs> so so you, you'll learn to look for specific I guess you put steps. it in perspective that's, there. That's what it is. I mean, it, it's tough. And I've done it since I was a teenager, and I still do it some now. And it it makes your mind pay attention to footprints, tracks, trails, how animals use things, and it's the same thing with deer. So, so tell me this. Um, going into Bankhead a lot, I see one particular. I'm not as good a woodsman. I don't know a whole lot about the small game side of things, but something digs a burrow off these deer trails. They use the same trail. And if you if you find one of those little burrows under the ground, then you might as well start looking for a deer bed. I don't know what it is that lives there, but maybe you could tell me. I don't, don't know. know. I don't really. If, burrows. Huh? Yeah, Listen, you're just, talking you're like talking to the guy the that takes a thermometer out in the woods <laughs> to tell the temperature of a deer bed. Like this is this is how <laughs> wow. into we this were, stuff no, he is. We He's were, out there. He's we, out there. We, we we were doing this. Uh, we had this conversation going on on the hunting beast. This should be good. <laughs> Okay, dog. And uh, and we were just discussing, <laughs> you have deer, you know, in the summertime, you know, that they may like the shade. In the wintertime, you know, they may like a spot that's getting full sun. And I was trying to show the difference of ground temperature in certain spots, shade versus, uh, you know, an, an open spot in like a pine thicket. And in some spots, there was a 40-degree difference uh, yeah. in, in temperature of the ground. Uh, if you wanted a, a, a cooler shaded spot under those cedar, trees there was bare ground and they seemed to be a lot cooler than than some yeah. of the areas where the pine straw had gathered and they seemed to warm up a lot quicker uh that pine yeah. straw did but it also stayed colder um than the regular ground temp there's about a 10 degree difference in the ground temperature between the pine straw and the actual bare ground and the bare ground was actually warmer than the pine straw the only thing i can think of is because of the air being able to envelop i guess the each little strand of the pine straw but it was just i mean we could go we could get real deep in that stuff but i don't (laughs) tyler's like you ain't talking about waffle king anymore i'm lost i'm gone but he like he likes poking fun about the about that hey listen i like one of the it's one of the ones used for like the ac to one of the laser ones you know it's ones i get for free when you fill up for gas that's a gas station (laughs) (laughs) i i I give you a hard time about it because i've never i mean you don't hear about it. I've literally never heard about that before. But I mean, that's uh, getting deep into it. It's not that. But deep. It's it really smart. isn't that deep. But some of the things you kind of wonder. You know, sometimes you got to be. I really do think you got to be out there a little bit. I mean, because the deer, you don't, you don't know what they're thinking. I mean, if I'm thinking about, you know, where I'm gonna, where I'm gonna lay my head at, it's not gonna be in the hottest place. It's gonna be in the typically, coolest place. Typically, when you see those bucks, anybody who's had a trail cam placed over a bed on the hunting beast. 
you see them 30 minutes to an hour or something like that, and they're up and moving to a different spot. Yeah. And you have to think, you know, what is the reason why? Was it wind? Was it temperature? You know, were they getting too hot in a certain spot? Were they getting too cold in a certain spot? You know, what was what was the reason for them bedding down in that specific spot? And so we're just trying to kind of figure out, you know. I think it's great. I, I think it's was. awesome. Um, and and back to your to your first question, if anybody knows what this mystery animal is yeah, that's it's, burrowing, it, it, it's I'd say it's probably about like a six six to eight inch uh, little trail. hole in the ground, oh. and it's right off of a deer trail. But whatever it is, they usually use the same trail, and, and they're usually actually pretty close to the actual beds. Yeah, and we tested uh, out that theory. Armadillo? It's possible armadillo, but I don't, I don't really know. I've never Sasquatch. How many of those have you run into in Bankhead? Uh, I've not seen one in daylight. You know, I've heard a lot of noise in the dark. You don't know what what they are. So. Everything's bigger in Bankhead. That's true. It's true. All right, so so we kind of talked about scouting and your hunting style a little bit. I want to talk about this journal. Okay, can I see that? Let me see that journal. I want to. I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read this first page. I got to put it the right way up. This first page is really cool. You know, I think, you know, if uh, anybody ever got a hold of this, this is probably the coolest page. It says, fall 1988 to 94. 1988 took first deer, doe, on a draw hunt at Wolf Creek Management Area. Over the next six years, took seven more does on draw hunts. Also, during this time, date unknown, I took my first buck. Ninth deer, the ninth deer. Took this spike on, what does that say? Le, Lamarian. Lamarian management yeah. area. Uh, and it goes on to say a whole lot of, a lot of yeah. stuff about that. It's just a, a really it. neat page. And that's, that's page number one. Right. Um, Lamarian is now with Sam R. Murphy. Okay. So it used to be Lamarian. They changed Lamar the name. Lamar and Marion. I got yeah. you. The main landowner is Sam, is Sam Murphy family. So. Actually, I missed the first page. This is actually the second page. The first page says, this is the hunting journal of Michael Ray Perry. Most of these hunts are on public land, w, WMAs, or national forests. Some private land, as noted. That's, I just think, like, if I'm reading a book, and you, I think you should get this published one day, because I think it's super cool. But if I'm reading a book and that's the way it starts, man, I'm hooked. Yeah. I'm in it. I'm in it. Well, thank you. So what, what, what made you decide to do this? I just wanted a, a way of looking back, refer, referencing temperatures, what I've seen on what days, and the bucks versus does because you know it's hard once you get toward my age it's hard to think about every year but I go back and look at every year I'll look I'll start carrying it at work here in a week or so and I'll start reading through it looking paying attention to certain days and and certain temperatures so and what I killed or what I've seen so if you were to take away a couple of things from this journal what are some some things that you didn't realize until maybe you look back on it and and kind of put the pieces together is there anything like that to me it's the days it's the certain days you know i don't really worry about the moon or anything it's more into the days it might be three days before or three days after but them certain days is it's it's more key to yeah the area pacific versus black warrior versus okamogee versus wolf creek or, or freedom hills the prime pre-rut stuff like that you'll see it if you keep notes enough notes you'll see the days start sticking out so. right and I think we agreed on those days whenever we talked the last time about what those days probably were for, for the area that we hunt. And we're not going to give that away. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, it's spot on as far as what we had discussed. So Yeah. And, I mean, just looking through that, man, it's so detailed. 
uh, even even the deer that you maybe didn't didn't kill, it just notes all these things. Man, I can see a ton of benefits of that. Um, it's like what you're talking about with the days, um, you know. And, and Tyler was spouting off a whole bunch of stuff a while ago, like when'd you kill this deer? And you were like, immediately, you knew the day, you knew the time of day it was, you knew everything about it, and that's just really cool. I don't think I could do the same. Uh, that's all great memories, and I try to remember every bit of it. So yeah. Cause it sticks out. So. Was there a was there an inspiration, a person that you you knew did this that kind of made you decide to do it? My dad kept up with it to a, a little bit. He had he, he hand wrote calendars and he would keep up to a little bit, but he didn't put as much detail as what I do. So, do you still have that? Do you have your dad's? He still has it in his house. I'm sure. Yeah. So I'd have to find it, but he's still put up somewhere. So. Man. Do you think you could riddle off another one if I just call the number of the deer? That was cute. Oh, the number? <laughs> Probably not the number. <laughs> I don't think I can do the number. <laughs> Deer 100, buck. 100, that's a, a Okamogie with a muzzle at a rate point. Spot on. So. <laughs> 101? Uh, I can't do <laughs> no, no. So many memories. Do y'all have any kids? Yes, one. And now, is that going to be something... You said you hide it, you keep it in a special place. Is that going to be something that gets passed down? He'll get it. So. Yes, and his Might granddaughter, one. Jazzy, she's three years old, or our yeah. granddaughter, and she's already saying, my house, and I'm going to hunt. That's good. <laughs> That's good stuff. What yep. if she got the book and ripped it up? Oh, well, no, that ain't What are we talking about? keep it on the tall shelf. That'd be rough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to, somebody's going to be piecing it back together. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good jigsaw puzzle for her. <laughs> and, and your son, does he hunt too? He hunts very little. If he can't, the way he works in the young family, he's the same way I was when we was first married yeah. and stuff. I didn't get to hunt that much. You got, yeah. you know, you got priorities. So it's tough. So especially public land hunting, it takes so much more time. So yeah, but he has killed a bear and a, a couple of small games and stuff. But he killed a bear no. when he was sixteen. Wow, that's cool. Canada, same place we got ours. That's a dream. Yeah. That sounds super cool. Now. Um, was that something? Is that something that you feel like kind of brings y'all a little bit closer together, um, as a father and son? Yeah, because uh, we've done it. We had a little agreement when they done it. So, if you can look right here on this. Oh wow! They both have. If you go look at him, he got the same thing. Yeah. So, so people listening, where uh, Mike's got a, a bear claw tattoo on his chest, and the son, son has the same one. Yeah, got him at the same time. The year he killed the bear. So you ought to tell that story about all three of y'all uh, killing the the bear in the same tree called right. Death Valley. Yeah, that was the area that they hunt. It's called Death Valley. I killed a black bear with a recurve bow there. She killed, he killed a three hundred pound with a gun, then she killed a four hundred four pound with a crossbow. So which would have weighed five hundred in the fall. So, yeah, that's what you say, yeah, right? Yeah, five hundred. He was just on a diet. You said that right? was Death Valley. Is that yeah, what you said? Valley. Death Valley was the name of the area. So, or other people might know it. Know it by Perry Ridge. Perry yeah, Ridge yeah. is what you yeah, called it. Yeah. Yeah, she called it Perry Ridge now. <laughs> I'm gonna call it Perry Ridge. That's cool. And where was that at? New Brunswick, Canada. Canada. Wow. Except mine has the V, and I called it Vicious. Yeah. Hers <laughs> got the white V on its chest. So. Okay. Tyler thought that was in Louisiana is what he said. Louisiana? No, I thought Michael was talking hey, about Hey, you don't got to explain yourself. Just let everybody think you thought it was Louisiana. <laughs> and there is a bear crossing I sign on think. I-20 in Louisiana. so We have really? seen that. Yeah, I've, never, I've driven that road probably over 100 times in my life, and I've never seen a bear over there. 
we've seen the signs. We went to Dallas one time and seen mm -hmm. if, it's a while. If somebody listening to this, this man, I hope somebody's listening to this and has a picture of a bear right there where that sign is. <laughs> that would be if nice. you're listening to this and you are from Louisiana, I can't remember exactly where it's at in Louisiana, but I want to say it's right outside of Monroe, and you have seen a bear in those fields, I would love to see that picture, and we will post it on our social media site. That sounded like my dad just said, on my site. <laughs> post it on my website. But uh, that's cool, man. I, I can't imagine. Uh, I, for me, I can't even imagine being able to go and do one bear hunt, but you guys being able to go and do, do that together as a family, that's cool. Was this the same trip? That y'all killed all three of those bears? No, 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 it was different. It was probably seven, eight years apart in total. Okay. Yeah. Mine was just last year. So. Okay. Yeah, just been well. over a year, so. And that would be in uh, 10 years from our son killing his. So. Yeah, because he was 16, and he's 26 now. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that, do you have all that stuff written in the journal as well? Oh, yes. yes. That's cool. Yeah. So every every hunt, that's. Every hunt. Mm -hmm. Got one fishing episode, April 14th at Gunnerville. We had a heck of a day, caught like 30 bass over five pounds or something so wow that's in the book so that's cool did you did you ever think now were you a hunter before y'all got married no did you hunt do you have any exposure My to it was, okay i wasn't okay did you ever think i mean thinking back to before you were married when you were a kid that you were going to be able to look back one day how old are you now 53 53 do you think you're going to be able to you know sit in your room at 53 and look and see all these memories on the wall and in this book. Was that something that you thought could ever happen? I thought about deer, but I never thought about what I've got now as far as the variety of animals in different states. And if I hadn't basically looked up and got a good job and, and was able to do that, I wouldn't have it. So The thing I see, the thing I see with you guys, you know, you live a modest lifestyle. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you work at, uh, at a, a plant. Chemical plant, yes. At a chemical plant. Um, 12, and like Twelve hour swing shifts. So it's not. I'm not. We're not rich. She don't mm -hmm. work. She's a stay at home. I stay home, mom. I take so. care of the house and yard and, and the dogs. All the dogs. dogs. My dogs. You know. Twenty dogs. You said. I do everything, and that way, when he's off work, he has nothing to do. We can just go and do all of our travels. That's cool. Everything's yeah. done. You know, I, I think this is a really good thing for a lot of guys. You know, my age. I'm twenty. Whatever. Twenty seven. Uh, I can't. I'm in a. I'm in that awkward age where I like. You don't want to say it, but you do want to. Am say I 27? I can't remember how old I am. But Tyler's 24, right? Michael, you're 33. 33. We're at this age where you know you work a lot. Young families. We all have young families, and it seems like an impossible thing um, to be able to to be able to have what you guys have here, and and to be able to have a room like this. It looks like this. What would you say? To the kind of people, well, well I want to let both of y'all answer, you know, because you kind of married into this, right? Um, and we'll start with you, Kat, if that's okay. Uh, what would you say to somebody who's who's wanting to, you know, be able to be like this and live this life that you guys live? You can pull that mic over to you. That'd be great. I would say just get out and live your life. Do what you want to do. Enjoy the outdoors like we do. I've been enjoying this for 27 years. That's how long we've been married. 27 years, and this is what we've been doing, and I love every day of it. I'm going to get you hooked up with my wife. I'm going <laughs> to let y'all become real good friends so you can uh, instill some of that yeah. wise talk you got going on. Yeah, hey, I, I would talk to too. the women because there's not that many out there that does this. My wife's from Panama City Beach, and so. YOLO. PCB. <laughs> 2012. 
I encourage everybody, you know, especially women, to get out because we can do just as much as a man can do. Oh, I agree. Shots <laughs> fired right there. That's <laughs> good. So you say just have the courage. Have just the, have the courage to do it. That's good stuff. All right, Mike. What would you say to a young man that's looking around your trophy room and says, this is impossible? It's not impossible. The biggest thing is the toys. If you Most of the younger guys spend more money on your toys and you do away with the toys and save money up and do the trips and get up to the adventures. You can go out of state cheap and uh, just enjoy all of that. But uh, like he said, we live a modest, we don't have a big fancy house, but we do a lot of adventures, a lot of different countries in the United States to see that's different. A lot of public land that's cheap, it don't cost that much money and plenty of excitement and things to do as a family. And that's what we've been doing, like she said. So wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing, no. So, wished I might have started a little bit earlier, but yeah, but we wouldn't change a thing. Gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do. So, do away with them toys and uh, have some fun with yourself and your family. Um, I guess my final thought, uh, you know, now that we got uh, Cat here as well, um, you know, for me, my wife, she is amazing. I think all three of us would say the exact same things about our wives. That definitely. I mean, we're sitting oh, here. Yeah. We're sitting here at 10 o'clock at night. These guys have a long drive to get home. I got kind of a long drive to get home. I live on the other side of the county. But um, what would you say to a couple that would say that that helps you be able to do this and, and to um, – I'm trying to even think of the right words, but uh, yeah, I guess the the right way to say it. How, how did you trick her into letting you do all the stuff that you get to do? Well, it's just support and trust, you know, it, it's, and plus, we do it together. We do that together. Yeah. There's times that we wasn't, but it, it's better than being in a bar or or something like that, you know. Sure. So, well, it's just family time. I think you, you got to have the support to do it. There's I've been no now, did you notice? Just about every one of these harvests. Yeah. Every one of them, except for the grizzly. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys, you know, um, they think, how am I going to be able to get this around my wife? How am I going to be able to do this with the family? How am I going to be? You know, you know, you've heard the story from uh, from guys my age that that um, feel that way. But you know, from what I'm gathering, what y'all are saying is, is no, this is a family thing. This is what we do. This is who we are. Now, was it that way from from when your son was young, or did it kind of really get going after maybe in the last ten years or so? Or no, he was young. When he was young, I've carried him to the tree, and he's asleep on the ground. He's sitting yeah. up the tree. So y'all all go together yeah. even then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's important, you know, you only got so much time to be able to spend time with your family. Um, a lot of people, you know, y'all are, a, y'all are a rare combination because a lot of wives aren't interested in, in this kind of stuff. But from what I'm gathering from you, your priorities are straight. That was one thing that you did. Uh, you talked about when you were a young family, you didn't get to spend nearly as much time in the woods because your priorities were we're straight, and now you're able to do stuff like this. Uh, more now, so yes, you got to prioritize. That's for sure. Family's first, of course, and then, then you're, you got, but you got to have your time too. You just can't stay locked down to the house all the time or your job all the time because sooner or later you're gonna blow a gasket or whatever. So you got to have your time. So yeah, we have our we time. So. Mm-hmm. Was it two different trees? So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's seeing. And she's letting two hundred inch deer walk, huh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I gotta say, thank you so much 
to both of y'all for opening up your house to us and letting us. Yeah, thank you just, for the food too. Yeah, yeah food. Was good. We yeah, appreciate. It was good. Thank y'all for coming. We appreciate the opportunity to discuss hunting, public land, especially. So. You have to yeah. come back out when I get my big bear in here. Oh yeah, we're you going to. See it. Well, now we're you got to. some. Now you got some. Uh, <laughs> some friends to come help you haul a haul a deer out if you need yeah. one hauled out. Absolutely, we'd, we'd love we'd, to. We'll get you um, when we're nearer to the road. No, 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 no. That's not what he meant. He meant from where the deer, the where the deer dies. That's where we're gonna come and meet you. Gotta start from the tree. No, no. We'll call you when we're about five minutes from the road. We need help listening to this thing to tailgate. Well, great. It's been it's been our pleasure being here, and thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank y'all. We enjoyed it. All right, that is another Southern Ground Hunting Podcast in the books. Thank you so, so much to Michael and Cat Perry for opening up their home to us to come and hang out and check out their trophy room and talk about deer hunting for a little bit. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. As always, big, huge thank you to our partners at Onyx Maps, at Tethered, at Go Wild, and our newest partners on board on Team Southern Ground is new breed archery we are pumped up we've all got our bows ready uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a good season i can't wait to put an arrow through a deer with my new gx2 from new breed so thank you to those guys for coming on board um i can't think of anything else you guys please go subscribe to our youtube page follow us on facebook instagram all that good stuff at southern ground hunting we got some cool stuff coming up on the youtube page as well uh, we're going to be in Kentucky really, really soon and uh, chasing Kentucky whitetail, so I hope you guys will subscribe to that. Leave us a five-star review. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's it. Remember, guys, you have dominion because God gave us dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. Till next time, I'm Parker McDonald. Hope you guys have a great week. <laughs>